Our scripture passage for today will be from Acts chapter 9. We'll be looking at that on the screen and sharing several verses from the ninth chapter of Acts in a few moments. And the title, some of you have noticed, I even had some earlier this morning come up and say, tell me what those adverbs are. I think they thought I didn't know what an adverb was and they'd catch me, but I at least know these three. Uh, Awesome adverbs is our title. And uh, we're going to see three adverbs in chapter 9 of Acts that uh, speak of the life of a man called Saul that we also now know and often call the Apostle Paul. And you'll catch me throughout this message today, sometimes saying Saul, but quite awful I'll call him Paul because he's the same person and we're so familiar with that new name, that Latin name that uh, he was known by as the Apostle Paul. So, But we're going to be looking at his conversion on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. And an adverb adds to a verb. I can figure that out and know that much. It also modifies, amplifies, intensifies the action of a verb and explains the action of a verb. So actually what we're looking at today are adverbs that are going to point us to a verb that describe events and actions and moments and uh, directions that took place in Saul's life as he makes that change and turn in his life that will lead him to become the one we know and love so well, and that is the Apostle Paul. So we're going to be looking at uh, adverbs that show emphasis and, and give us call, call attention to what happened in Paul's life during his conversion uh, experience. And we often call this passage of Acts chapter 9 uh, the place where the conversion experience of the Apostle Paul happens on the road to Damascus. We're all familiar with that. Well, what do we want to try to do today? Well, we want to dig into the text of Acts chapter 9, and we'll do that and look at uh, several verses as we read them and go back and talk about several of them along the way. We also want to talk about the salvation experience of Saul, who becomes Paul. The fact, the very fact that his name uh, is changed, uh, not so much uh, uh, formally or specifically, but just he comes to be known by a different name because he's such a different person tells us something about his salvation. His life is drastically changed, and it begins uh, in this moment that we're looking at here in Acts chapter 9. But not only do we want to look at uh, uh, the conversion experience of Saul as found in the Scripture, but we also want to look at the doctrine of salvation. What does salvation include and involve? Well, is that all we're up to today, just a textbook study of uh, the events that happened in history to Saul and uh, the events related to that or the truths related to that that uh, make up the doctrine of salvation. And of course, my answer to you for that is no. I need to look at my salvation. You need to look at yours. Not all of us have had the same experience of the Apostle Paul. In fact, I would feel I'm safe in saying not a person ever has had the same experience of the Apostle Paul. Now some, and maybe some here today, or some who are viewing us uh, over the internet, uh, may have had a dramatic experience involved with their salvation, but it wouldn't be identical to Saul. That was unique to him. Uh, And yours is unique to you, no matter how dramatic it would be. But the vast majority of us is just the opposite. For me, I was an eight-year-old boy. My past I didn't have a chance to build up a lot of bad stuff in the past anyway, and I really wasn't old enough to get into a lot of bad stuff. So there wasn't a big uh, turn away from a lot of things in my life as an eight-year-old boy. 
But that conversion for me as an eight-year-old boy put me on a path so that I avoided a number of things that could have been awaiting me. I could have been just like the Apostle Paul and gotten to my adult life and gotten into all sorts of things that I would regret for the rest of my life. But by the grace of God, in a very quiet, simple way, in a, re a summer revival service, uh, probably on a Thursday night, I don't remember exactly. I know I was sitting about where Brother Matt is sitting there. Uh, on the second pew uh, out at uh, Westwood Baptist Church in the Forestdale area, uh, the Lord just got a hold of me. I didn't really have a, a lot of thought before uh, that moment that I needed to accept Christ. I'd been born in a Christian home. My parents had prayed for me for nine months before my birth. They'd certainly prayed for me up till that moment of my uh, public profession of faith. But uh, it wasn't something I'd been thinking about for a long time, but I was prepared for it. You see, I'd earned those gold stars in vacation Bible school, and I'd participated in Bible drill. And I'd been at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And I'd been at home when Daddy was at church on Monday night for visitation and Thursday night for deacon's meeting and all those kind of things. I was totally Baptist and totally uh, inoculated or uh, inaugurated into the life of the church as a child. So it was all familiar to me. But there was a moment for me, just as we're going to see here in this passage of Scripture, a moment for me when I acknowledged my need, I recognized the provision of God in Jesus Christ, and I responded. I'll be honest to tell you, over those years, since eight years old, there have been some doubts, and I don't think anyone would be uh, honest if they didn't say there were some doubts. Uh, that's probably healthy to just go back and think again. What really happened? What did I understand? And, and what did it mean to me? And if you've worked through those doubts as I have, then you're just as sure of your salvation as I am today. But for me, and for many of us, most of us, it was just that quiet and simple. Maybe a moment of excitement in turning loose of the pew and walking down to the front, and talking to the evangelist or the pastor, and uh, the things that are involved there. But it's nothing as dramatic as for Saul in this passage we're going to look at today. So I, I want us to dig into it. I want you to consider your own salvation. If you have it and you're sure of it, you need to celebrate it. You need to understand it better today than you've ever understood it before so that you can celebrate it. And we'll not end today till we see that one of the things Paul did when he experienced salvation was one of the adverbs is straightway. He found out there was something to share. There was a... a, a world in need and he had something that had dra drastically affected his life and he wanted to share it with others. And so today as we look at salvation, I want you to celebrate your salvation, but also I want you to hear that call of God, even that Saul heard. Maybe he's not calling you to be a worldwide evangelist as the Apostle Paul was and missionary journeys in your future. But there's still that tug in our heart that says when we've experienced Christ straightway, we have a message to share concerning him, and we have a burden for those who need to hear what he's done in our lives. So I want you to look at all of that today. But also today, there's probably some in this room, and I'm certain there's some who are viewing by live stream or on YouTube that um, have never experienced salvation. So I want you to see it happen in the life of Saul, and I want you to understand what it did for him. I want you to hear from me and sense from the rest of us here in this room today what it's done for us. And then we're going to invite you to be saved. This could be your Damascus Road day. 
maybe not so dramatic, maybe not so uh, outwardly exciting, but in your heart, that change of heart, change of life, change of direction that begins today and goes in that new direction from this point forward. So today, this may be your day to hear the call of God, the voice of God, and uh, experience the love of God and respond to that. Uh, and uh, let this be your day of salvation, even as we're going to examine the uh, day of salvation for Saul here today. If you would, I'll ask you to stand with me. We're going to look at several verses in Acts chapter 9. They're going to be on the screen, and I'll just read through them and point out a few things along the way. Again, we call him Saul at this point. Very soon, his name will be Latinized so that he's called Paul, and we'll recognize him as the Apostle Paul. But at this point, it's the Pharisee, the member of the Sanhedrin, uh, the Jewish scholar, the, the Jewish religious leader, Saul, and this is what's going on in his life. Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest. Now notice the anger, notice the hostility, notice the willingness to uh, hurt people and to pour out his uh, uh, animosity on other people. He's full of that, and we're going to see a dramatic change of that as we uh, move through the uh, events in Paul, Saul's life here today. He was so full of hostility that he desired of the high priest letters to take with him to Damascus. Remember, that's the road he's on from Jerusalem to a Syrian city called Damascus and go into the synagogues there, the places of religious worship, that if he found any of this way. Many of us are studying the book of Acts on Wednesday nights now, and we're coming to see that the first name for the disciples or the followers of Christ, the first new believers, was the way. That's all they knew to call them. Later on, they would be called Christians. You remember that in Acts chapter 16. Christians, uh, they were first called Christians at the city of Antioch. So that name would, would change and would be more uh, uh, developed in the future. But at this point, it's just the way. Later on, they would be known not only as Christians, but the Christians would make up the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. But this point in its uh, infancy and uh, embryonic state, the followers of Christ are called simply those of this way. And Saul wanted authority to be able to go to the synagogues in Damascus, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And again, read into what that's saying. Men and women, he'd go into their home and take a man away from his wife and children, take a mother away from her children, uh, break up a family, uh, disrupt family life and community life with no uh, compassion, with no uh, 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 love or concern for the consequences of his action. He simply was so filled with bitterness and animosity and anger and opposition to the way that he didn't care what he did and how he hurt people in carrying out his uh, desire and carrying out his, what he thought was his purpose. Well, as he journeyed, this is where we're going to find our first adverb now. As he journeyed down that Damascus road, and again, as I say, filled with anger and animosity, and if you want to, translate that to understand emptiness, loneliness, sadness, hopelessness. He was trying to fill it with this purpose that he had found and that he discovered, but it was not satisfying him in any way and just uh, leaving him empty and sad all along. And so as he makes that journey, he came near to Damascus, and here's the adverb, suddenly. Most of the adverbs you 
familiar with know end in L-Y. Don't, don't have to, and one of ours today will not. I've already mentioned it. But here it ends in L-Y. But again, the point's not the adverb. It's the intensity and the uh, uh, information it gives us concerning the verb. The verb is shining or shine. There shined a light, and it was sudden round about him, and it was a light from heaven. He fell to the earth in response to that light, and I think also in response of submissiveness, humility, surrender. He recognized a power greater than himself, and he was submitting and surrendering himself to that. And then he heard a voice. So he had seen a light, now he hears a voice, and he says to the one who is, uh, uh, the, the one's voice speaking, said unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And uh, the voice, uh, he answered to, to uh, that voice, who art thou, Lord? Who is it that's speaking to me and causing these events to happen in my life? And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus. Notice the specificity of that. Saul was a part of a group of people who thought they had killed this man, Jesus, who claimed to be the Messiah and the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And they'd seen him buried and they thought that was the end. And now here is that voice and that power and that authority and that light arresting Paul's life or Saul's life uh, and in so doing uh, proving that Jesus may have died on the cross and he may have been buried but he didn't stay dead. What the disciples were saying concerning Jesus Christ is true. God raised him from the dead and here he is alive these months or weeks uh, later after that experience speaking to Saul on the Damascus road. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Notice the submissiveness and the readiness to respond to the light, to the voice, and to the person he recognizes, and here he calls him Lord. For most of Paul's life, he had, whether he wanted to or not, been forced to say, Caesar is Lord. The ruler of the Roman Empire, the ruler of the world of that day had declared himself supreme Lord of all and every Roman citizen had to say Caesar is Lord. And Paul had done that whether reluctantly or not all of his life because he lived in that Roman Empire under that Roman authority. But now for the first time in his life he declares Jesus Christ is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. There's one greater than Caesar. There's one greater than all and his name is Jesus Christ. And so he called him Lord. Uh, what would you have me to do? And the Lord answered to him, go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. There were witnesses to what happened to Saul in case there's anybody who says, well, he just dreamed this or he imagined this or he made this up. There were witnesses there who uh, observed it as well. They journeyed with him. They stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. So he'd been struck blind by the light from heaven. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat or drink. Now let's look a little further. In the in-between verses, we're introduced to a man named Ananias, who is instructed by God to go and help Saul in his blind and stricken and troubled condition and position and first of all, Ananias says, do you know who you're asking me to deal with? He hates us Jews and he hates, uh, excuse me, he hates us believers and he hates us who are of the way. And uh, he's got authority to do us great harm. Do you know what you're asking me to do? And God convinces Ananias and Ananias is willing to go. 
And so verse 17 says, Ananias then went his way and entered into the house where Saul had been located and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, notice he calls him brother, reluctantly I'm sure with some hesitation, but he was willing to put that into, uh, uh, into his phrasing, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way. If it hadn't been clear to Saul to begin with, it's got to be abundantly clear now because Ananias reaffirms it's Jesus who spoke to you uh, on that Damascus road and appeared to you that day. Uh, As thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so Ananias laid hands on Saul and prayed for him. The Holy Spirit entered his life. And then verse uh, verse 18, here's our second adverb. Immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scaled. Something physical was removed from his eyes uh, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. I'll just point out right here. We all talk about the uh, thorn in the flesh of the Apostle Paul. And many people believe it was his eyesight. I can certainly agree with that because right here we know his eyes were affected uh, extremely for a three-day period. And at the prayer of uh, Ananias, the scales fell and he received his sight once again. But there may well have been a weakening of his eyesight that he would never get over and it would become his thorn in the flesh. Uh, That's a good possibility and I think it goes back to this Damascus Road experience. Now here's our third adverb. Suddenly the light dawned. Immediately after Ananias prayed and the Holy Spirit entered into uh, uh, Saul, the scales were removed and he had vision to see that he had never had before. And now straightway, in response to what Christ has done in his life, he preached in the synagogues that Jesus is, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and probably could put in parenthesis they're afraid as well because they have not accepted Saul yet because of his reputation and his prior activities. But they said, is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name Jesus in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. The word Christ is Messiah. It means God's chosen one, God's prepared one, God's anointed one, the one God sent. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the description of Christ, Messiah. And here's Paul declaring the very one he had persecuted and the followers of Christ that he had persecuted, now he's declaring Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the one God sent. And he surrenders and submits himself to him as Lord. And thus we have the record of the conversion, the salvation of Saul on the Damascus Road. Please be seated. Let me take us to those three adverbs and just ask you to think today. And again, we want to remember the Holy Spirit inspired the, God, the, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, to include this uh, description for us and these details for us. So we need to understand what the Bible is saying. But I want you to go deeper than that. What happened to Saul, if you're saved, has happened to you. Maybe not so dramatically. In fact, you're more subtle, more reserved, more quiet, uh, less exciting experience as mine was It's just as real for you and as unique to you 
uh, as you are in every other way. Salvation is unique to every person, every individual. But there are some key elements that these adverbs help us to understand that are going to be the same for all of us. They were in Paul's experience, and they've been in your experience. And if you're not saved, they can be in your experience today when you recognize who Jesus is and place your faith and trust in him. So once again on the screen, these uh, ad verses with the adverbs in it are going to be present, and I'll just point them out to you, and we'll look at them very quickly. As Paul journeyed toward Damascus, full of, full of anger, but also full of emptiness, let's understand that. Before we meet Christ, we're empty, we're lost, we're struggling, we're searching, we're trying to find something to fill that void and to fill that vacuum, and nothing will. Paul tried to do it by religious, uh, being a re religious zealot. He tried to do it uh, uh, by being an activist uh, and arresting people and bringing them to places of punishment and disrupting their lives. But he was empty until the day that he met Jesus Christ. And that's what this passage tells us. There was that moment in his life when suddenly heaven touched earth. God reached down to Saul. God touched Saul's life. The light shone, the voice was spoken, the conversation took place, and grace was experienced. Later on, Paul would write about that, for by grace, something God does on his own, without any assistance from us, even without any request from us, uh, that God does uh, because we desperately need it, and he's the only one that can do it for us, for by grace... God's act, are you saved through faith? And that not of yourselves, that not of yourselves refers to, I believe, both grace and faith. It takes God's grace to save us, and God has to even enable us to have faith, to believe in order for us to experience the grace. There came that point in Paul's life when heaven touched earth, when God, through Jesus Christ, touched the heart and the life of Saul. And his life was never the same from that point forward. Once again, I'll say your life and your salvation may not have been the same drama and the same outward circumstances. But if you're saved today, there's a point in time when you cease to go in one direction and you turn to go in another direction, when your life began to change. Once again, Paul would write concerning that. He that is in Christ is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are becoming new. It took Paul a process to bring him to this place, a process of uh, vindictiveness and harshness and cruelty uh, and anger, but also a process through which from his birth, God had been preparing and laying the groundwork through his parents, uh, through his uh, training under the feet of Gamaliel to be a, a Hebrew scholar and an Old Testament master. All those things prepared him so that when the light shined, from that point forward, no longer would he be empty, but he would be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the fruit of the Spirit, and filled with the satisfaction and the contentment that only a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring. Suddenly, the light. Suddenly, God acted in Saul's life. Suddenly, God acted in his behalf. And in those moments, Saul responded by faith. He named Jesus Lord. He recognized he's alive, he's not dead. We thought we killed him, we thought we buried him. His followers declare he's alive and now I understand for myself, Jesus is risen from the dead. 
And he heard and experienced that Jesus Christ, that moment that day on the Damascus Road. Think about your own salvation today. It doesn't have to be dramatic. And it doesn't all begin at the, or, or, or it's not all complete at the, the moment that it begins. But there's a beginning point where we're headed in one direction and we're converted or we repent and we turn and we go in a new direction. And when that happens for the Apostle Paul, he lost his physical eyes, but he gained spiritual eyes so that he could see Jesus as he had never seen him before. So that he could see that Old Testament that he was a scholar and a master with. He could see it in a way that he had never seen it before and see things in there that he had never seen or understood before. He could see himself. He thought he was the elite of the elite as far as moral people and religious people and righteous people goes. And that day he fell to the ground and he saw himself. Later on, he would call himself the chief of sinners. His eyes were blinded physically, but opened spiritually so that he could see God, Jesus, the word of God himself. And as we'll see in a moment, he also began to see his world, to see others as he had never seen them before. Suddenly, the light shined and an experience began in the life of Saul that changed his life not only to a person named the Apostle Paul, but changed his life and his destiny forever. And if you've been saved, there's that place and that time in your life when from that point forward, everything begins to change. All things are still becoming new. Let's look at the next adverb. After he went on into Damascus, Ananias came and ministered to him. The next adverb says he immediately Scales fell from his eyes. Ananias prayed for him. The Holy Spirit entered. That's what the preceding verse says. And immediately scales fell from his eyes. He received his physical eyesight again, but he had already been given spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to see and to hear the things of God that he had never seen and never understood before. Suddenly, God intervened in his life and he recognized him and submitted him to him uh, and accepted uh, Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then immediately God began to do a work in his life. The first thing, he opened his eyes, uh, at least to whatever uh, healing and recovery there was. I believe there was still that lifelong limitation of his eyesight brought about in this experience that would be his thorn in the flesh and always bring him back to the Damascus Road. And I think not only bring him back to the day God touched his eyes and, and left him with a thorn in the flesh, but it would also bring him back to that state that he was in before Jesus Christ, the state of hatred and bitterness and emptiness and searching uh, and hunger and thirst. The problem with his eyes would always remind him the condition he was in spiritually when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. So immediately God began to make a change and make a difference in his life. The first thing was the healing of his eyes. And then he began to move forward with the plans and the purpose that God had for him in his life. Think about your salvation today. There's a moment when it all began. And then as it continues, God begins to do a work in you. Whatever needs to be done in your life to grow you, to mature you, to change you, to develop you, to help you leave old things behind and put on the new things that need to be put on. It begins, it's a process, but it continues from that moment when you're uh, aware of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and then he begins to, to work in your life, doing whatever's needed for you to prepare you for the future that he has for you. And then that third adverb is the word straightway. 
Ananias didn't tell Saul, you need to go tell people about this. Jesus didn't say that on the Damascus Road. He said, just go into the house and someone's going to minister to you and then you'll know what to do. Salvation produced in Saul an understanding that what he had been given, everybody in the world needed. What he had experienced, everyone was looking for. And he had the privilege, having experienced it for himself, to take it and share it with others. And so look here, straightway he preached the truth concerning Jesus Christ from his own personal experience. If you have a different translation than the King James, and we're using the King James here today on the screen, and I have it in my hand, you'll see if you do a little word study or if you're a Greek scholar, you'll see that the word immediately and the word straightway are the same word in the Greek. But the King James translators chose to use immediately as one translation when the scales fell and then straightway when Paul began to preach. And here's the reason I think they did that. Immediately, Paul received something, eyesight and vision and a process of growth and healing and recovery and uh, maturity in his life. Something happened to Paul immediately. But then straightway, Paul did something with his life. Saul did something with his life. He had something he wanted to share, and he began to share it at the first opportunity with the first people that he could find. And we know he continued to do it throughout the rest of his life, no matter what hardship or obstacle came his way. And he did it till he, they finally took his life in execution, as we believe his life ended. Straightway, he knew what he had needed to be shared with others. So I think even though it's the same word in the original language, those two synonyms are, are, are appropriate, and they also fit my sermon well from suddenly to immediately to straightway. It gives me three points and three different words to use as a point. Uh, but the translators did that because immediately something happened to Saul. But straightway, Saul took what had happened to him and began to share it with others. So I bring you today to consider your own salvation. Is there that moment when you know your life changed? And again, for me, 60 plus years ago, I don't remember every detail. I, I do remember a revival service. I do remember being on the pew. I do remember feeling convicted and going forward, but I don't remember all the details. And I do know now, I did not understand nearly then what I understand now. But I do know that was the time in my life when things began to go in a new direction. Things began to change. Has that happened for you? If it has, then celebrate it. That God either arrested you before it was everlastingly too late, or in my case, God arrested me before I could ever get into the depths of sin and pointed my life in a brand new direction. Celebrate today what God has done for you. Recognize that God is wanting to remove scales from your eyes too and begin a process in you of growing you and maturing you and developing you in all that he wants you to be. And then understand today that automatically, naturally, out of that experience with Jesus Christ comes a knowledge. I have something uh, that has satisfied my thirst. And there's a world of thirsty people out there. I need to share the source of that uh, uh, thirst-quenching life with them. Straightway, Saul began to share what he knew concerning Jesus Christ. Examine your salvation today. There's a world of hungry people out there. You have found the bread of life. He is satisfying your hunger. 
automatically and naturally, it is your privilege then to straightway go. Wherever you can, however you can. Maybe as uh, out front and out forward as was Paul the Apostle. Or maybe just quietly living that everyday Christian life. But always with an awareness what God has done for me. What others need. And my privilege of sharing my testimony and my witness. The work of Christ in my life with them. Suddenly the light shines. Immediately the scales fall. Straightway. I know Jesus Christ, and I know him as the answer, and I want to share him with every person that I possibly can. As we close this service, I invite you today to consider what you need to do. If you are saved, celebrate your salvation. The writer of Hebrews says it's possible to neglect so great a salvation. You may be saved, but you've forgotten your Damascus road. You've forgotten the conversion, the change. You've forgotten how God... Uh, pulled you out of the miry clay or God prevented you from going down that awful path that you could have gone on. You've forgotten it. You need to come back to it today and celebrate your salvation. And if you're not saved, then today, just like for the Apostle Paul, not with the outward circumstances, but with the faith and the grace of God in your heart and life, recognizing Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has been raised from the dead And Jesus is willing to come into your life and change it, make it completely new and change it forevermore. If you're willing to do that, then you can be saved and begin your journey of salvation today as well. I'm going to lead us in a moment of prayer. And then our musicians will come and we're going to sing together. And the invitation is open for you to respond publicly in this service or by uh, live stream. If you want to respond through email or some contact with our church family, we invite you to do that. But let us know what God is saying and what God is doing in your life today. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for this great saint of the past named Saul, but who became the apostle Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles. Thank you, Lord, for his testimony and his witness. But we thank you for that simple moment in his life when the light shined and his light was changed forevermore. Speak to our hearts today. Renew our joy in salvation. Help us to restore the vitality of our salvation and help those who've never received salvation to reach out in faith today. Have your way in these moments, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.